Stephen Mitchell Adams was a 26-year-old from Tahlequah, Oklahoma. He was a busy guy going to school, having a job, and being a divorced father. On December 13, 2004, Stephen had just gotten out of morning classes when he encountered an as-yet unidentified person who needed a ride to a nearby town. He was never seen again. I'm Ed Denzel, and this is Unfound. hitchhiked. I've never done it, and I'm guessing most of you haven't either. But our lack of experience in this area is a fairly new cultural phenomenon. My father, who is 82, has several stories of hitchhiking from Apollo, Pennsylvania to Slippery Rock University when he was a student there in the mid-1950s. My brother Brian, who is 67, has several stories of thumbing for rides in the early 1970s. But sometime between then and the 1980s, when I first learned to drive, my perception is hitchhiking went by the wayside. Maybe it's because cars became more affordable to more people. Maybe it's because of the increase in public transportation. Or it could be the public started figuring out that hitchhiking wasn't the safest way to travel. I mean, who knew who was going to pick you up? But you should know until the 1980s, Hitchhiking, whether onto covered wagons in the 1800s or onto AMC Pacers in the 1970s, was a popular choice for most people. I bring this up because it seems in the case of Stephen Adams, he picked up someone after morning classes in Tahlequah, Oklahoma, and was driving this person toward Keys, Oklahoma, although nobody is sure that was the final destination. Then, Stephen disappeared. And while a missing persons report was filed on Stephen's disappearance, none was filed on the hitchhiker. We still don't know who he or she is. But we are left with the important question. Did this lone traveler set up Stephen for a one-way trip? And now, summary of the case. This is brought to you by my friend, making good site, charlieproject.org. The last few years before Stephen Adams disappeared were some of the busiest and turbulent of his life. He had decided to go back to college to get his degree to better himself and make a better life for his daughter. To pay for school, he got a job, so there wasn't a lot of time to study. But he managed. However, what was taking up most of his time was the continuing battle with his ex-wife over the custody of their daughter. Things had gotten nasty, to the point that there were trumped up and unproven charges that Stephen had abused his daughter. At each step of the process, though, Stephen won in court, despite his ex-wife and her family's efforts. So, on December 13, 2004, Stephen was looking forward to the Christmas break after finishing a couple finals at school. He completed them in the late morning, with the belief that Stephen would return to his apartment like he always did. However, at some point, Stephen encountered someone who needed a ride to a nearby town. The only reason the public knows this is due to Stephen's girlfriend calling him while Stephen was with this person in Stephen's truck. At no time did Stephen say who the person was. In fact, 14 years later, the public is not even sure if the person was a man or a woman. 
Unfortunately, the phone call was cut short due to bad reception, which is common in the area. Stephen was never heard from or seen again. His truck is also missing. Despite the case being unsolved, the following facts have pointed the public in a certain direction. Number one, the sketch of a man who was hanging around outside Stephen's apartment before he disappeared. This man looks a lot like a couple of men in Stephen's ex-wife's family. Number two, public threats made by the ex-wife's father towards Stephen after Stephen was found not guilty in the abuse of his daughter. And number three, a lack of concern shown by police for this case, possibly due to the ex-wife's mother working for the sheriff's office. Stephen's family suspects foul play. There have been no charges of any type fouled in Stephen's disappearance. The interview for this episode is with Stephen's mother, Deanie Adams. Unfound News For those of you who watch the live show on Wednesday nights, and for those of you who are interested in doing so, just a reminder that the show will be moving from Facebook to the Unfound YouTube channel the first Wednesday in January. This is an effort to make the show easier to find and thus accessible to more people, especially people who do not have a Facebook account. Next, due to the circumstances of the last three weeks, I haven't been able to continue the push to get to 150 Patreon supporters by the end of the year. That goal looks a little improbable at this point. But I would still like to expand Unfound's base of support on Patreon. Remember, it only takes $2 a month. Patreon.com forward slash Unfound Podcast. Finally, please be looking for the December newsletter in the next couple days. Yep, I'm going to get it done despite all that has gone on. Granted, I'm not sure how long it will be, but you'll receive it. I promise. Where you can find Unfound. Unfound supports accounts on Podomatic, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Contribute to Unfound at patreon.com forward slash unfoundpodcast and at PayPal, unfoundpodcast at gmail.com. That is also the podcast email address. The website, unfoundpodcast.com. The merchandise, the books at amazon.com in both ebook and print form. If you've bought one, please give it a nice review. Shirts at myshopify.com forward slash unfoundpodcast and cards at makeplaincards.com forward slash sell forward slash unfoundpodcast. And please mention unfound at all true crime websites and forums. Thank you. I'm so fortunate to have on this episode of Unfound the mother of Stephen Adams, Deanie Adams. Deanie, welcome to Unfound. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. And I'm happy you are here with me and the listeners as well. Uh, let's start here, and I know maybe this may seem like a weird place to start, but your son's first name is, of course, his first name is Stephen, but I've seen it spelled, uh, for example, on the Charlie Project run by my friend Megan Good. It's S-T-E-P-H-A-N, but you have told me that his name is the traditional spelling, S-T-E-V-E-N. Um, do you even know how that got started, where it uh, got it started spelling in a wrong in the wrong way? Well, it, probably when he started kindergarten, and they, the teacher spelled it for him or, you know, helped him, and we never told him any different. Mm-hmm. So, so when people maybe are 
um, writing about Stephen, if they want to get word out about his disappearance, uh, should they spell it S-T-E-V-E-N? Is that what you'd prefer? I, I guess I think so. Okay. Just wanted to get that straightened out because I know that I've had a couple conversations with some listeners already about your son's case. And this, the spelling of his first name seems to be something that uh, is a little up in the air. So I just wanted to straighten that out. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Well, let's talk a little bit about Stephen. First of all, how many children do you have and, and where did he fall into the the uh, the line of them? I have uh, three boys. Stephen was the youngest. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris been my oldest. Okay. And, and any yeah. daughters? No daughters? No daughters. No daughters. Okay. Um, let's talk about Stephen. Just what was he into? His hobbies and interests as a... A young kid in, you know, maybe elementary school into junior high school. What were his hobbies and interests? Sports or video games or, or what? Well, he was a avid fisherman. He loved fishing. Did he? Um, yes, he spent second, second grade dreaming about fishing and flunked. So the teacher held him back and he said, well, he said, I guess if I hadn't been dreaming about fishing, I might have passed. <laughs> <laughs> He was dreaming about fishing, and so like bass fishing and stuff. Yes. If he wasn't fishing, he was dreaming about fishing. I'm sorry. He was dreaming about fishing. Okay. All right. And uh, how did he do in school if uh, when he wasn't dreaming about fishing? He did very well. He was a very um, he very good student. He um he was um, made good grades after that, and mostly A's and B's. Okay, good. And uh, I know that he wasn't a small guy. Did he play like football or anything like that in high school? He did. He has lifted weights, and um, wow. he was a um, kind of a short guy, but he was very stocky, very yeah. strong, and was very good in football. He um, excelled great a lot, and um, you know made a lot of scores and made a lot of tackles. Okay. Yeah, because Oklahoma's in Oklahoma, football's big, right? Yes. That's a big sport. Yes, it is. Good. Okay, so he's into fishing, football, going to school. And how did uh, all your three sons all get along? Were they good buddies or they have their own personalities? How would you explain that in Stephen compared to your other two sons? They were best friends. They got along great. Um, you know, I was. Uh, looking around, you know, my friends and their kids, I was really proud that my boys got along and so well and called each other friends. Right, because really as we know, sometimes uh, brothers and sisters don't get along so well. They can be very competitive. Right. right. You're right. You're right. So he's in high school, good friends with his um, brothers. And did he have a lot of friends? Any particular friends that... Um, maybe carried on through him after he got out of school, maybe some that have maybe kept in contact with you um, after he disappeared. Yes, he, he had lots of friends, um, but he had you know a few close friends too. Uh, he had uh, friends that started a college with him, Greg Staniford and Ron. I can't remember Ron's last name, but um, they, and then they went for years with him, and um, they spent hours and hours looking for him. After he went missing, and you know, I still get in touch every once in a while with him today. Okay. 
Now, the listeners should know that you and Stephen's father, who I've also had a chance to talk to, uh, are not married anymore, if I may ask. Uh, when did you two get divorced, and how did Stephen handle that? Well, we got divorced in, I would say, 96 or 97, somewhere along there. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize till later that uh, being 16, it really hurt him in a way that I, I didn't even realize that whenever he would have a ball games, they would announce the parents and, you know, we would be separated or, and, you know, things like that. But later on in the years, Steve and I got close and, and we had long talks and he told me that he um, understood after being married for a while, why we got a divorce and, and that he forgave me for everything. That was very, uh, very good to hear. <laughs> kind of eased your mind, didn't it? Yes. Okay. Right. I'm sure that, I mean, kids, I mean, you know, a lot of divorces can be a little tough. And sometimes the kids suffer. Sometimes. Yes. It's hard for them emotionally. Sure. So that happened about four, uh, eight or seven years before he disappeared. And how would you say that? After that, he handled that. Um, I do know that he ended up um, getting married uh, eventually. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, the woman that he ended up marrying. Alicia, how did those two meet? They were in school together. And they um, just kind of hooked up, and, and she got pregnant. And that really, really, really made her father mad, <laughs> really mm-hmm. mad. And um, I think he maybe even let Stephen know a few times how mad he he was about that, you know. And he didn't want her to marry, her to marry him, but she did, and mm-hmm. they had a child. Were they in the same grade together, or was maybe she a couple years behind him, or they same age, or, or what? Uh, they were the same grade, I'm pretty sure. Okay. And how long would you uh, would how long would you say they went out? They were a couple before um, she ended up getting pregnant. A couple years was this uh, well after high school or or what? Uh, just right after high school, and it was just a few months. Okay. All right. What did you? If you can be honest, and we're not going to try to judge her in 2018 terms, but let's go back to when they were dating and everything. How did would you think of her? Um, I, I mean, she was okay. She was um, kind of quiet, uh, not real friendly, but, and I, you know, she was a, come from a, you know, pretty good family. Um, I thought mm-hmm. <laughs> at the time, okay. but, um, cause I didn't realize that, you know, how, what her, how her dad was at the time that. How he was, you know, didn't want Stephen marrying her and all this. Stephen never told you about that? He didn't. Okay. Well, maybe just didn't want you to worry, right? Kids do that. Exactly. Kids do that. Exactly. Okay, so he was in this relationship. They ended up getting married. Um, what year, Can you, if you can remember, do, what year do you think that was? Um. Eight, but, uh, 2000? 
about 2000. Okay. So about four years before he disappeared. So they had this child. They ended up getting married. But um, uh, they did end up, uh, things didn't go the way we, you, you know, of course, I'm sure you hoped. And they got divorced. You got divorced in 96, 97, and they got divorced um, a few years later. What do you think brought that on in retrospect? Uh, you mentioned, of course, maybe her family wasn't too thrilled with Stephen. Was that part of it, or was it something else? Well, actually, I think she started stepping out on him. I see. And I think, I think so. I talked to my son about this, and son and his wife about this here a while back. Um, Bradley, my middle son, mm-hmm. his wife was the same grade with Stephen, and she and I mean they. She said, "I guess that Alicia, you know, really didn't want to be married, but you know, she's mm-hmm. been having a been married, uh, pregnant. You know, thought she better, she should yeah. be married. Yeah, but, um, it just they just didn't really click. What you know." Right. And um, they got divorced, and this divorce, it was not an easy divorce, was it? I'm sorry? It wasn't an easy divorce. And so in this divorce, there were some custody issues fighting over their daughter, Cheyenne. Yes. Yes. Uh, they, the, the issues were kind of resolved whenever they had give, given Stephen a, a weekend custody. But after a while, she stopped letting him see her. And then, well, before that, actually, she uh, would leave her with Stephen for more than a weekend, maybe a week. And, you know, he was, he really enjoyed having her, but he, you know, he was trying to go to school. Uh, My sister was babysitting her a lot. Mm -hmm. um, And then, you know, I guess her, I think her parents, you know, told her, she should stop leaving uh, Cheyenne with him and so much, and then she just kind of quit letting Stephen have her at all. Okay. And you said that Stephen was going to school uh, at this time, so like college, is that what you mean? Yes. Okay. And where was he going at that time? Do you remember? Yes, Connor State College in Warner. Okay. okay. And I'm going to guess that he was working at this time and, and you know had a job maybe somewhere. Yes, he was working at Muskogee General Hospital. Um, yes, in um, not the technical part or something, but yes, he was working and going to school. All right, so here he is. Um, he's getting divorced, but then he's going to school. He has this job, so a lot of time. I mean, very busy guy, and that you know and that could be sometimes why um, Cheyenne was getting babysat by other people. Right. Yes. Yeah, he was just trying to be the best father that he could, um, trying to get an education and had this job. But like you said, uh, he would have custody on weekends, but she just stopped bringing Cheyenne over. Yes, she okay. did. And they ended up in court because of this, didn't they? Oh, yes. Many, many, many times. Yeah, why don't you explain uh, how you remember that? That would be going back probably to like 2001, 2002, 2003. From your standpoint, what do you remember about all that? I remember um, going to court with him a few times, and you know the judge would give her, uh, tell her that you know she uh, would need to bring Cheyenne to him on certain days or 
and uh, and then we it just didn't happen again. We we uh, he would then he finally got to where he would see her at a a, a neutral place where there would be caseworkers and stuff, and mm-hmm. um, because of some accusations she, uh, she made, and, and we seen her at a place and had a birthday party for her and went there and visited a couple of times just on weekends there in Muskogee. And so the court was trying to get her to do this and she was just, she and her family um, were just outright disobeying the, the custody arrangements. Yes. And did they ever, I don't, I don't even know what, if you, you know, if there was a penalty for that or anything, they, did they ever get penalized for that? I mean, let's just go to the extreme. Did anybody ever go to jail for this or anything like that? No, they didn't. And, uh, she, yes, she was in contempt of court, it's called, because she didn't mm-hmm. do what the judge said. Mm-hmm. And so he just, so he started taking her to you know court on this. Well, he was taking her to court all along on this. And um, we felt like that he was fixing to get full custody because of her many, many times of being contempt, in contempt. Yeah. Uh, okay. That's, I'm pretty sure that I'm, that was where it was going okay. this time. Okay. Um, but then on top of this, they had made some, uh, what we believe to be false accusations against Stephen. And can you remember when these first popped up, what year it was? And, and can you just tell the listeners what those accusations were? Uh, this is probably in 2001. And yes, um, I was working with, at a friend's tea room and I heard that I had a friend come in and tell me, or, um, maybe called, I'm not sure, um, that um, they had arrested Stephen because she had filed charges against him for molestation. And and they had arrested him at his work on a weekend where he had to spend the whole weekend in jail, or on a Friday. He had to spend the whole weekend in jail, and he lost his job over it. But, um, yes, he was charged and... And so they had to go to court. Stephen had to defend himself against these charges? Yes. We had to get him a, a different lawyer that would be, I guess, a criminal lawyer at that time. Yeah. And, yes, he had spent a lot of time and money defending himself over that. And what was, I mean, where was he living? Was he living by himself at that time, or was he living with you? What was he doing? He was living with his cousin, Adam Warren. Okay. And so I'm I'm guessing that you were talking to Stephen quite a bit during this time. And I mean, what was he saying? I mean, he had to just be devastated by all of this. He was. I mean, this was um, the furthest thing from his mind or any of us mm-hmm. at the time. Um, mm-hmm. Because and then. Oh, well, it was just it was just outrageous. You know, it was, yeah. it was unbelievable. I bet. And I just want the listeners to know what was the result of all of this. Was there any, could anybody offer any proof that Stephen had done anything to his daughter, Cheyenne? Anything? No. No, there was um, a, I guess, caseworker, or no, maybe a child psychiatrist, psychologist, had asked some questions and, you know, that that she said she you know, believe that as what Cheyenne was saying was was um, 
just not true. <laughs> you know, I mean, what mm-hmm. they had told, I'm sure they had told Cheyenne to say, because she had, they had no evidence, no proof, no physical, no mental evidence, you know, that this had happened. And it must have been, I mean, these years, and we'll say once again, this is like 2000, if he was arrested in 2001, maybe, was there even a trial or anything? I mean, how far did it get? Well, yes, there was. Um, there was, it lasted about, oh, about three months, maybe four, because they always put things off. Um, sure. Whenever they, you know, the court can do that. And then he was acquitted. Finally. Why? Well, I, be, I bet that would have, must have been a pretty good day. Um, I mean, was there a jury or was it just a judge or, or how did that all go down as you remember it? Um, just a judge. And there was a, a lady brought to testify that had made up some stuff. She had wrote out some stuff and, and uh, give it to him. And, and then when she come up, got on uh, the stand, the judge asked her what she had said. And she couldn't remember or repeat anything that she had wrote. So he kind of caught her and contempt the court. And then, you know, I think she got fired over it. I think she's supposed to be working for the police department or the county. Who is this? Who is this? She, who is this? You're saying she, I don't know. I don't know. I can't remember her name. Um, I'm terrible with names. Okay. So this was not Alicia. This was not Alicia. This was not like her mother. This was somebody who allegedly saw something and then, wouldn't recount it during the trial. She wouldn't remember it. Right. Wow. Right. Okay. And I think she was actually asked to write something by um, um, the um, county sheriff, Tim Brown, and, and um, his partner, um, uh, his partner, Jan Ray. Jan, and her last name's Ray. But, um, yeah, she couldn't, couldn't uh, repeat anything. Okay. All right, so he is acquitted on all of these charges, and I, mm-hmm. you, and, and in talking to your ex-husband Carl, who is Stephen's father, he even told me that um, that the family at some point tried to get a doctor to forge something, you know, yes. a, a trumped-up kind of charge at one time. Yes. So you know, I get the feeling, and and we know how bad divorce proceedings could get, and custody issues can get. Um, this sounds like. Uh, is about as bad as it can get, and but it seems like maybe two thousand two, two thousand three. After all this was over, Stephen was still back to trying to get, you know, full custody of Cheyenne. Uh, you know, how would you explain all of that after oh. uh, he was acquitted of those charges? Oh yes, he was in full force uh, trying to to get custody, and like I said, he he never stopped for a moment, and mm. and then. Because she, uh, her mother had done these things, you know, he really wanted to get her for custody. Mm-hmm. You know, he wanted wanted her, you know, all the time. Right. He wanted Cheyenne all the time. And as you look back at it now, do you think this was something that was motivated by Alicia herself? Or do you think that there were people behind the scenes who were trying to goading her on, trying to push her to do this? Oh, How do you look at it? Oh, yes. Um it was her, her mother and dad. Her mother worked um, at the federal building. I'm not sure just how, but she was uh, in the federal building. Of course, you know, all the government officers are kind of together. She um, was kind of over the police department that was um, 
behind all this, the the couple that was making the arrest on weekends and and uh, you know bring being there at court with him and all, I mean against him and all that. They at one point had even brought a, a motorcycle gang in. They didn't say anything, but um, it was uh, I guess Balka, um, bikers against child. Mm-hmm. Or something. I, I've and never I, heard, I've never heard of that, but okay. They brought these bikers in, and they were uh, were they trying? I mean, it sounds like it's a good group, but were they trying to intimidate Stephen or something? Yes, yes, they they were. There was there was a lot of them came in, and they sit there on the back row, and I guess was I don't know, I don't know, just uh, maybe just there, like I say, to intimidate. Yeah, him and okay. see what was going on. Okay. As you remember, once again, back to this time, and there, there, we have to also recognize that maybe a son would not tell his mother everything because he wouldn't want you to worry. But during this time, and specifically after these molest charges, molestation charges were dropped, um, was he ever threatened by anybody? Well, the day that he was acquitted, um, Alicia's father, Bob Burris, had, um, got jumped up and ran out of the courtroom saying, I'll kill him, I'll kill him, I'll kill him. Well, I jumped up and went out behind him with my uh, other granddaughter and, you know, just kind of pretended we had to go to the bathroom or something, but my, I was being nosy. And mm -hmm. the, his lawyer was outside talking to him, telling him to calm down. He was going to go to jail and things like that. And, and yes, and I b truly believe my heart that that's the day that he decided that what he was going to do. Okay, just so we're clear, you actually saw this happen in the at the courthouse that day that Stephen was acquitted. You were there. You saw um, Alicia's father say this. You saw it. Yes. Yes. And so a lot of other people, I guess, saw it too. I'm sure there were other people there. Well, yes, there was a lot of other people there. Now, since I did kind of jump up and go out behind him, I knew he was mad. Um, mm -hmm. I heard heard this. It uh, could have been that he didn't say anything until he walked out of the courtroom, which probably mm. would have been He'd have probably been too, you know, smart enough to know he couldn't do that. But yes, I got the full uh, of it whenever I walked out and, and saw his lawyer talking to him. Wow. And what what kind of relationship would you say that you had with a, a, your um, Stevens, you know, father and mother-in-law? Uh, we should just his name is Bob. What is her name? So just first names, please. Bob and Rita. Rita, Bob, and Rita. Um, were you able to talk to them at, at any point during this trial or before it or anything, or did they just stay away? What kind of relationship did you, and you, maybe and Carl, who was involved in this, what kind of relationship did you have with them? I, I didn't have one. Um, I knew who they were and everything, but we never really, uh, had any lengthy conversations, you know, maybe a high and bite a ball game or something, but mm -hmm. um, that'd be about it. Okay. I was also told, and I, this might even be out there, uh, you know, on some website. This is not, you know, necessarily a rumor or anything. At some point, did you hear something about during this time or maybe after, obviously before Stephen disappeared, but around this time that somebody had sabotaged Stephen's truck, like loosened the lug nuts or something? Or, what? you know, what, what, what can you, do you know about that? And what can you tell the listeners about that? Um. Well, I didn't know about this till afterwards, but I spoke to my my middle son over the weekend, um, and he said yes that um, I think a day one of the days of court that he supposed to went to court that his lug nuts had been loosened, 
and I'm not sure how he discovered it. Maybe he was just being cautious and checked things, but right. yes. Hmm. Any other things that you found out since he disappeared, you know, that, that seems suspicious to you? Um, we know, of course, like you said, you saw about the, what her father said. And I have to say maybe that I don't, I, I don't know what to make of that. Obviously we know that Steven disappeared, but I'm sure there've been a lot of fathers out there who have said things against their son-in-laws, especially if, you know, if uh, there were sexual charges against him, we know those things happen. Um, mm -hmm. But anything else, any other threats? For example, did Stephen maybe ever get any phone calls, anything like that that you've ever heard about? No, not that I've heard about. Okay. No. Well, we can only talk about what, we, you know, what we've heard and seen. You know, maybe there were and he just didn't tell you about them. We just don't know. Okay. Right. So, I mean, overall, this seems like a pretty bad situation going on there for a few years. Pretty bad. Yes. Yeah. And so what do we know about those days leading up to his disappearance? Is it true that um, there was going to be a court date? We know that he disappeared on December 13th, 2004. But was there another court date coming up? And what was that going to entail? Do you know? Well, that was December 20th. And um, we were all talking talking to Stephen pretty positive that Stephen was going to get full custody the mm. following week on the 20th and then uh, you know they just weren't going to make it happen all right so he disappeared a week before that yes so after all this a lot of going to court a lot of him trying to get custody and her not wanting to give it up um there was still going to be at least one more court date regarding all of this it hadn't been resolved you know, for three or four years, still fighting about right. all, of the, all of this. Wow. Yes. Okay. So leading up to uh, December 13th, 2004, once again, I'm, I understand that maybe your son would not tell you everything. Like I just, you know, I, want, I don't tell my parents everything e either because in cases I don't want them to worry about something. Um, anything unusual, suspicious going on that uh, Stephen – you know, ran into, have your two other sons been able to tell you about anything in those few days before he disappeared? Um, not that I know of. Um, they, my oldest son was in the, is in the Marine Corps and he was away in um, Arizona at the time. Bradley, you know, Bradley worked and um, him and Stephen talked a lot on the phone, but, and Bradley may have went to court a couple of times, you know, uh, for him, but, they didn't, they, you know, they didn't run around and do things together, and so they didn't talk a lot um, about this, I guess. Okay. So at the time of December 13th, 2004, did Stephen get another job? You told the listeners that he got fired. Did he ended up get end up getting another job, or did he just keep just going to school? What was going on at the time? Now he, yes, he got another job. He was working. Had been working at a El Chico's for a while. And then he, because he's worked all the time. I mean, Stephen kept mm -hmm. a job, you know. Okay. But he was going to school. And in fact, this day, December 13th of 2004, was that the last day of the semester? He was took some tests or something? Yes. Okay. So why don't we talk about that day? What do you know, um, just the general particulars, the general facts of that day of 
when Stephen, you know, got out of bed, what did he do? Um, what do we know about that? Uh, just that he uh, went to school uh, classes and took some tests and had in, handed in his test and uh, probably went back by his house, you know, to change from school work clothes or to pick up maybe work clothes. Mm-hmm. And had a, uh, at some point, picked up a hitchhiker. Hmm. Huh. Yes, and he had spoke to his uh, his girlfriend Bree, and I think she had said that she had heard somebody or heard a voice, and um, he said, "Well, I've got a hitchhiker. I picked up a hitchhiker, you know, or there's yeah, so I'm giving somebody a ride. I'm giving somebody a ride." Okay. And and. And then where and where did he say he was headed? Well, and for all these years, I, I, um, I thought, and I just thought that for sure that he was coming to my house. And mm-hmm. the, um, supposedly he had he talked to her, and she was at work, and and uh, he was going to, you know, I guess go ahead and drop this uh, hitchhiker off somewhere and meet up with her probably or something, but. And she called me later that evening and asked if I had seen him, and I hadn't. And she said, "Well, she, you know, that she hadn't seen him." And then El Chico's called about six o'clock that, that that evening, and he had not showed up for work. Okay. And at that point, we began to, you know, not be a little bit worried that something had happened because it's right. um. Okay. All, but, you know, he'd been through. Okay. Let's break this down maybe a little bit for the listeners just so they can understand. So he's at school and he's done with his test, but it was, he got done with his test fairly early. Do you know what time that was? I know it wasn't like three in the afternoon. It was like even before noon. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Now, um, I don't know why 10 o'clock sticks in my mind. Okay. But, you know, in the a.m., Okay. That's what I remember. Okay, and we should have probably talked about he had a new girlfriend. What was her name? Her name was Bree. I'm not sure what her last name is. Uh, We're not going to use her last name. We're not going to do that. We're not going to, we don't, that's not important. How long have they been a couple and how did they meet? Uh, They had been a couple about six months and she had first met his cousin and uh, Adam and they Went out, I think, once, and and um, then I guess Adam, you know, introduced her to Stephen, and they'd been going out about six months. Okay, and how'd you like her? And how, how were they getting along? She was. I really liked her. Um, they got along really good, I guess. And um, but I, you know, I had only met her the one time. One time, and um, that was right before, right around the time that he was uh, charged. Molestation. Oh, okay. So the two of them were dating when he was charged uh, with this abuse, of course, that he was acquitted of, and she stuck with him through this. Yes. All right. So she believed that he was not a molester, and of course, that's what w- the judge eventually found. So she was fairly supportive of Stephen, I guess. Yes, she was. Okay. He was so, there for him. Okay. So they're a couple. Um, they aren't living together, anything like that, or what? No. Okay. So on that day of December 13th, 2004, he goes, takes these tests. 
um, comes home, we believe. But then at some point, um, she calls Stephen and he answers his phone and he tells her that he picks somebody up, uh, a hitchhiker or somebody. And uh, do you find that unusual? I don't pick up hitchhikers. You know, that, that doesn't seem like uh, the healthiest thing to do, the safest thing to do. But what do you think about that, being his mother? Um, I, I'm, I'm like you. I, I'm, I was think that Stephen would kind of be like that as far as just pulling over the side of the road, you know, and somebody walking and him pulling over and, and picking him up. That that doesn't really, um, you know, sounds like sound like him. But I'm uh, from well. I've, after you have a theory. Uh, you have a theory. You have a theory regarding all of this, and we're going to get that to I that in a theory. second. Yeah, I know. Uh, we and we want to talk about. We're certainly going to talk about that. But does it? I guess does it just just surprise you that he would come home from school? He sounds like a very busy guy, and then to just go out of his way to drive somebody somewhere. That seems a little strange, being that he had all these things going on. Yes, it does. It did, and. Okay. I'm not really sure if that's, that's the way it happened. <laughs> okay, well, it'll be up to the listeners to decide. And during this phone call, did he ever say who this person was? Was it a man or a woman? Did Stephen say what direction he was headed? Because the story out there is he was headed to Keys, Oklahoma, which is south of Tahlequah. Is that true, all of that? What can you say? Uh, whenever he didn't show up, work um there were his friends and his cousin just assumed that he was heading south and he was going to come down and go fishing you know um, down around weber's falls on the river mm-hmm. so you know that that may be where that assumption come from um i was under the impression that maybe he was going to come see me because on the friday night before he was at work. We had had a graduation party there for my niece or my sister. I'm not sure. And uh, he had kissed me and or kissed me. He had hugged me and and I, and I said, I, "I love you. I will see you first next week." Okay. And or next week. And okay. And how far do you live? Are you do you live in the direction of Keys, Oklahoma, from Tahlequah? I do. Okay, and how far how far is a, of a drive is it? Just in minutes, how many minutes would you say it takes mm -hmm. to drive from where Stephen lived to your house? An average person forty five, Stephen about forty. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and so do you think maybe his plan could have been? It seems like he was supposed to work later that day. That he was going to come see you for a few hours, possibly. Just we're just going to theorize here for a second. Um, come down and see you, and then he was going to drive the whole way back to work at six o'clock. Yes. Would that have been something that uh, would that have been something he'd ever done before? Um. Yes. You know okay. he has, and you say yeah, back to work. The he would went in a different direction to work, which would only been twenty minutes from my house. Oh, okay. So that was, that was very possible. Okay. Been doing right, thank day. you for explaining that. Thank you. Okay. Now I understand. Well, that does seem like a decent possibility. Um, you had a chance to talk to. Brianne, at some point about this phone call, um, what did she say she heard? Did she think that it was a guy in the in with Stephen in Stephen's truck, or did she say that she was surprised? How does she recall the phone call? Well, I I didn't talk with Bree, 
Brian about this phone call myself. I had a stroke that day, and I was in the hospital for two oh my. weeks. Oh, my. I don't, I'm not sure if I knew that. You had a stroke on the same day that your son disappeared. Um, no, I'm sorry. It would have been the next morning. The um, next morning. We, okay. Yes, the next morning. I uh, okay. had been up all night. We've been searching for him. Right. Well, stress and, could bring that on. That's certainly true. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, did you ever have a chance to talk to Bree about this phone call? No, I didn't. Okay. Ever. I mean, ever since 2004, you've never talked to her about this phone call. I've only seen her hmm. twice then. And no. Is that right? I didn't. Only yeah. twice in the last 14 years, and she was dating your son at the time. Yes. Okay, well, listeners can take that for what it's worth. Okay, so she made this phone call. She claims that uh, Stephen was said he was driving somebody somewhere and that uh, we're not sure if he was going to see you. We just really don't know a lot about that. All we know is that later that day he didn't show up for work. What did you yes. and I guess at least one of your sons, maybe even Carl got involved, Stephen's father, what did you all do uh, that evening into the next day trying to figure out where Stephen was? Well, I was up on the uh, phone all night and in touch with his cousin that he lived with and, and Ron and, and Greg. And they would, were, you know, searched up and down the river where any place he could have possibly went fishing and, and uh, mm. the road between my house and, and Tahlequah. To went through keys and then they just drove all night and, and I stayed on the phone <laughs> all okay. night. Do you, if you can remember, I know this is a very specific question, but at the time, do you, did, did you or they even know about Stephen even heading to your place or was that something you found out later? Or was it Bree that told you that night that, you know, he said, you know, that he was headed down to your place? How do you remember that? Well, I am really not sure how I came to that conclusion. Um, I just know that uh, that the you know the week before on a Friday night he had mm -hmm. uh, said he was seeing me you know, next week, right. and so I'm you know just kind of assuming. Okay. Well, the reason I ask that, maybe the listeners are wondering where that question comes from, because it seems to me on that day, December thirteenth that the only person who knew that Stephen was driving somewhere with somebody was either Bree, Stephen, or the person that was with him. Well, of course, we are, we don't 100% know who was with Stephen. Of course, Stephen disappeared. So I'm asking you, was it Bree that at some time that Saturday evening said, hey, I can't get a hold of Stephen, but he told me he was driving somewhere. So... When did it come into your mind that it was possible that he could have been driving to see you if maybe you didn't even know that he was even driving out of town? I guess is what I'm asking. Um, well, when she had called me and asked me, uh, had he was he at my house? Is okay. Whenever I, you know, just uh, figured that he was going to come there for you know for okay. a visit, which was All right. the other ordinary. Okay, so I, I understand that now. Okay, very good. Um, when she told you about this phone call, and I realize you've only 
seen her a couple times. You've obviously talked to her a couple times. On this phone call, did it? Did he actually say, "Hey, I'll talk to you later," or was it cut off like mid, like like he lost reception on his cell phone? Do you remember what she said? Now I do remember. Yes, that she had told me when she called me that evening, or called me and you know asked if he was there, that he had lost reception, lost contact with her. Reception. Okay, so. So maybe he was eventually going to say who he was, who he picked up, or who was with him. But unfortunately, the reception uh, went out, and he never called her back. And of course, they never spoke again. Um, is cell phone reception a little spotty on that drive from Tahlequah to your place? Oh yes, yes, probably five miles out of t- uh, uh, Tahlequah, one south. It it, you, it dropped your call. Okay, well, but. That's a very good possibility. Maybe he was going to end up saying where he was going and who he was with and who he picked up and everything, but he never got a chance to do that because the cell phone reception went out and then something happened after that. Very possible. Okay. So you looked all night and then the next morning, like you said, you had a stroke. So you got taken to the hospital. Yes. And you were there for two weeks. Yes. We had made it to Keys from my house. We drove north to Keys, a very windy, hilly road. We were just kind of all just almost positive we would see Stephen in the ditch somewhere because he, Mm -hmm. the way he drove real fast and and then the roads were bad. But we got to Keys and, you know, nothing. nothing. And I went to get out of the car and and couldn't (laughs) because I had my stroke. Wow. And you were in the in the um, hospital for two weeks. Uh, if yes. if I may ask, did you make a full recovery? I mean, how have you recovered from that, Deanie? Um, I am weak on my left side, uh, where I have to wear a brace to be able to walk more than a couple of feet. Um, mm-hmm. I don't use my left hand, just maybe to as a, a, a just just a very little, very little. I can't grip wow. anything. Wow, and it's and this happened the day after your son disappeared fourteen years ago. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Okay. All right. Um, when did the police get involved? When did you end up contacting them and you know tell them that you know my son was on the road with somebody and he's just never went to work? When did they get involved? And I know you were in the hospital, so I realized that. You're kind of out of action okay. for those two weeks. You just happen to go by what maybe your son's telling you, or maybe Carl's communicating with you. Whatever went on, what? But what did? What were they telling you? And what did they do? Um. Yes, I spoke to my son about this. Um. He, uh, they, the police didn't get involved until between Bradley and uh, Carl. They had went to the police mm, three, maybe four times before they finally got the police to get involved. Hmm. And this was uh, almost a week later. All right, so around December 20th, which would have been right around the time that this next court date was uh, supposed to happen. Um, Do you remember what happened on that day when this court date was supposed to happen and Stephen was supposed to um, show up? Do you know what the judge or the lawyers ended up doing? Do you have any recollection of that? Yes, my son uh, Bradley went that day, and he got uh, oh, let's see, weekend custody, I guess. Um, 
No, every two weeks for the weekend. Custody of Cheyenne. Um, and, you know, that didn't last for very long, but no. that's what the special order do. So, so what you're saying? So, what you're saying is that um, the court proceeding still happened, even though Stephen wasn't there. Yes, it did. Okay, but we should know that not only Stephen is missing, his truck is missing. The cops finally get involved, and they didn't find out much. Do you know of any of the time did they ever uh, contact um, Alicia's family, the ex-wife's family? Did anybody ever call anybody in your family? You know, of course, you're in the hospital, but maybe your other son, um, maybe Carl, maybe someone else close to you asking, hey, where's Stephen? Why didn't show up for court? Anything like that? Did her family ever or she herself ever seem concerned about Stephen going missing? Hmm. Um, no, they didn't call and, and uh, ask, no. Nothing. I'm sure whenever they went to court and... Uh, and Braddock was there. I'm sure they knew that something happened, but I feel like they knew already that something had happened. Okay. Uh, do you know if the police went and talked to them? Um, eventually, yes. And uh, Bob was given a um, polygraph test, or mm. all of them was given a polygraph test, and they all flunked it. Asking if they you know knew that, anything about it. You know that for a fact. How do you know that, Deanie? I was told this by. Okay. Um, if I can ask, if Carl. I can ask, you don't have to use the person's name, but who told you this? Carl. Your your ex husband, uh, Stephen's father, who I've talked to. Okay. Any yes. idea how he found out? Um, he was he had got a, a, in touch with the DA eventually. And got you know mm -hmm. them involved, and um, he was talking to the DA in Muskogee County at the time, all the time. Okay. And they kept him informed of everything that was mm -hmm. happening. Okay, and the listeners should know that I had a couple extensive conversations uh, with Carl, just to be full disclosure on this, and I'm guessing that Carl is going to maybe listen to this eventually, but I just need to tell the truth here is that. Uh, I had two extensive conversations with Carl about Stephen's disappearance and a lot of this information uh, that I, I got was from him. But then, of course, I went over it with Deanie. But after a couple conversations with Carl, he just stopped picking up the phone. And I tried to contact him various times and couldn't. And then Emily reached out to you, and that's how you got on the program, right? That's that's yes. how this all is how it happened. So I'm not sure if something's going on in Carl's life. It's none of my business, but I wanted to cover this case. So I felt important, you know, that uh, we get you on here, you know, to represent Stephen. So um, some of these things Carl does know. And of course, he had the advantage that he wasn't stuck in the hospital like you were for, you yes. know, those weeks. Okay. So the police are searching. They're searching for Stephen's truck. We just, uh, he disappeared. The truck disappeared. We don't know who was in the vehicle with him. In fact, the only thing, the only way we even know that he was driving out of town was this call that Bree made to him. I'm not casting any suspicion on her, but that's the only reason we even know about it. If she hadn't called him, who knows what would think. Um, at that point, you know, you're in the hospital. You're out of action. Of course, you're worried about your son, but also your own health. 
Did you have any theories yourself as to what could have happened to your son? Um, I did, but uh, the two weeks that I was in the hospital, just want to say that I was unconscious. They kept me unconscious because oh, I had had a bleed, and they watched, you know, had to keep me unconscious to watch the bleed. And okay. every once in a while, I remember waking up, and I would ask, you know, but if yeah. they found him, that's all I would, would ask. But okay. So. Well, after those two weeks, and uh, you were conscious, and maybe. Uh, eating again, and, 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 you know, they weren't, maybe even you got to go home at some point uh, soon after that. Um, did your son, or maybe you got to talk to Carl, did they offer up any theories as to what they thought happened? Uh, just, just an opinion. Well, I think at this point that the theory was that um, that they had uh, they had taken, you know, they had done something to him. All right. So who, uh, who is who is they? Uh, the Burrises. Okay. So Alicia's family. Mm-hmm. Because of all this contentious custody battle that they'd been in for three years, we know mm-hmm. that you saw it yourself. Bob threatened your son. Yes. Uh, with you know taking of his life. I'm going to kill that guy. Uh, you saw that mm-hmm. yourself. Other people saw that at the courthouse after Stephen was acquitted. So that, I think that's a reasonable theory at the time. You just, I know we don't want to point any fingers, but if if somebody in public's going to say something like that, then we're going to take it seriously. <laughs> yep. So, okay, let's move on to. So the police are looking around and they're not finding anything. Uh, allegedly, there was some polygraph tests taken that some people didn't pass. I don't know what to think about that. I hear a lot about polygraph test results, and I don't know whether to believe them or not. But was Stephen's truck seen in Keys, Oklahoma that day? To your knowledge. I heard that he it was seen in Cookson. Okay. Which would be about yes, about thirty miles east of of Keys. Hmm. But I didn't I that just does not seem uh, feasible at all. I mean why would he let somebody drive him 40 miles out of the way um, and him not suspicious and, and you know, uh, mm-hmm. at that point, Stephen would have been um, surely known that something was fixing to happen and he would have fought, fought tooth and nail. He would have, um, he would have, you know, wrecked the truck, run off in a ditch, anything besides that them, somebody he was, un, you know, suspected that might be harm him, drive him around that much that distance. Okay, that's. I think that's a very good point. And that truck is missing to this day. Um, there are several pictures out of about a Stevens truck, but it, the the problem, I guess, maybe with it, with it is that the truck isn't very unique. You know, it didn't right. have any distinguishing markings on it. You know, or any you know anything like that. It could have been just like any other truck out there. There's many, you know, yes. many kind, of, many trucks that look exactly like his. So, it's like trying to track down a white cargo van. Well, there's, you know, thousands, if not millions, of them. So yes. it's hard, it's hard to look for a vehicle like that, a particular one, when you're looking for one. So we're not sure if it was seen. We we just don't know. There were rumors that it was, but it could have been somebody else's truck. 
Now, this is something that, uh, of course, got started with Carl, but you added a lot of insight to this particular point in Stephen's case. There was an alleged sighting of Stephen in Keys, but at a store. Why don't you tell the listeners about that? Well, again, the sighting of Stephen being in a store was Cookson, that he had came in and mm-hmm. got a soda and went back out. Again, I don't see that being, you know, very true at all. And okay, but there's, a, out, but there's a particular reason that you don't find, not because it couldn't be that Stephen was there. It's somebody, it was the person who saw him. Why don't you, this is interesting. The person that saw him was a, a Rita's brother's sister-in-law. Um, I'm not I'm mm-hmm. just saying that um, I feel and truly feel in my heart that her brother maybe was um, uh, involved uh, personally in doing this. And this, um, and Rita's and brother's he, name is Spencer. Yes. And we're not using last names here. So Rita's brother's name is Spencer, and so it, it was it would have been one of his relatives by marriage who allegedly saw saw Stephen. Yes. Well, that's a heck of a coincidence, Deanie. It sure is. <laughs> it definitely is. Um, All right. So, uh, and I want, I want to just say again for the listeners, because my perception, you should know, Deanie, and I think I told you this, my perception is that Stephen's disappearance is fairly well known. Um, I've known about Stephen's disappearance for a decade. You know, just me, mm-hmm. you know, because um, I'm into this stuff well before I ever started on Unfound. And... I've always read about this sighting of Stephen somewhere in Keys and Cooks and wherever it was that he was at the store and somebody said, he, you know, he was nervous and everything, but it wasn't. And so I said, well, maybe he was down there just as a pub, you know, just a, you know, your regular person. But then you tell me after all these years that the person who saw him maybe has a reason to stretch the truth a little bit. Yes. Okay. Yes. So. For anybody that's been following Stephen's case for a while and you've heard about, well, he was cited. Well, the person who cited him might not be the most trustworthy person. So it's possible that Stephen wasn't there at all. Right. Okay. Because the media, the way the media portrayed it is that it was definitely Stephen. But you have reasons to doubt that. Yes, I do. Okay. Um, Okay. Very, that's very, very interesting. Okay. Um, so we don't know. We're not sure. After that phone call, we're not sure where Stephen went and who was with him. Now, there's also something that's very well known about this case. And this is a sketch of the guy that was a re- allegedly seen outside of Stephen's apartment. This isn't a person that was sighted in Keys or Cookson or anywhere else. This was actually in Tahlequah near where... Um, Stephen was living. How did you find out about that uh, sketch? Who actually saw this person? What do you know about that? Um, I just talking to Carl, and I guess um, I'm not sure when the sketch come out, but I remember, um, you know, putting it up in several places. Um, and I came home and and in from the hospital. And I stayed with my sister and her daughter for a month. Now, mm-hmm. probably, I just realized that probably most of this was, you know, that happened right away. That um, information that came up right away was was probably through my sister. 
or her daughter. Mm-hmm. And does you've seen the sketch? Of course, you've been living with this sketch for fourteen years now. Um, who saw this person? Who who described this person? Who was it? As a store employee at a Dollar General in Tahlequah. Okay. And did this person say anything else about this person? Why did this person even remember this guy who had the hat, the glasses, the beard? And that he was uh, kind of uh, walking around the store uh, like he was waiting for someone, just kind of in and out, watching outside. And, um, you know, been December, it's kind of cold. Even so he was, you know, inside mm-hmm. watching out and um, maybe stepped out a few times that, that he was uh, waiting for somebody. That he was like he was waiting for somebody. Okay, and how and close then, is this store to where the apartment that Stephen lived? Uh, three hundred yards at the most. I think they're actually. I think the parking lots adjoin each other, uh, divided by a, you know, a, a set of dumpsters and you know maybe a curb. Okay. Say, a, okay. A curb. So that's where this sketch came from. So the police were canvassing, and they went in there, and somebody said, "Well, you know, I did see the suspicious person hanging out the day that Stephen disappeared." Okay. Do you personally believe that this sketch, and I know it's been out there for 14 years, but I don't want you to be afraid to dispute it, but do you or do you not think that this sketch is connected to Stephen's case? I do. You do. Okay. And in looking at the sketch, do you have an idea who that might be? Oh, not at all. Uh, could be anybody. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, there was several names, a few names thrown around here and there. Um, but you know, people that were asking me, "Oh, you know, that sketch. You know, do you need that? Uh, that is so and so." But I don't. I don't have any idea. Okay. I, uh, I feel because, my heart with somebody that that uh, was waiting there for Stephen. In a prior conversation uh, between me and you, you had given me the idea that you have an idea and we'll get into this a little deeper later of who you think that guy might be by the the name James. Is that true? Yes. It is. Okay. And would he, to your knowledge, I don't know how close you know him and uh, maybe you haven't talked to him in a long time, but do you have any reason that he might've been uh, around that area? Do you even know where he lives now or anything like that? I knew where he lived then. I'm not really sure where he lives now. Um, yes, he was um, a friend of um, Rita's brother Spencer. They, uh, okay. You know, we're known each other for a long time. Okay, that's that's interesting. So James, who you knew just from around, and Spencer, of course, who you knew because he was your son's uh, mother-in-law's brother at one time. You know, extended family. Maybe you ran into him a couple times at some family gatherings back when things were a lot better. Um, You knew that James and Spencer knew each other. And it's kind of weird that you think that it might've been James who was hanging out in this dollar store right next to where Stephen lived. Yes. Okay. Um, Okay. We'll just leave that there uh, for now. So you do have an idea, but should be known that there are a couple other people who could be uh, connected to this case that kind of look, uh, kind of the same there's something else uh that was kind of weird about this case is steven steven's books were they returned 
to the school after he disappeared. Yes. Um, later on, right, maybe right before Christmas, my sister had brought, uh, cleaned out uh, Stephen and her, her son, Adam's apartment. Uh, Adam went ahead and moved out. They, you know, lived there because they together. Because they could, that's the way they could afford it. But now that well, Stephen wasn't there. Uh, so, and she had packed up all of the Stephen's things. And um, she had, I eventually, when I got well enough to do it, I started going through them. And I found his school books, and and Ben, you know, I don't like Ben. I don't like to waste things, and things go to waste. I so well, I'll return them to the school, you know, just to see if they could use them, and and I did, I did that. Okay, and when you and this is gonna, the listeners just need to hang on to this for a moment. We're we're going somewhere with this. When you returned them, of course, Stephen has disappeared. Maybe even people at the school know that he's disappeared. Did you? You have to show ID. What is the process of returning uh, books like that? I did. Um, I talked to him about Stephen's uh, disappearance because, of course, they knew about it and was, you know, concerned mm-hmm. themselves and, 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 you know, very apologetic. And, and yes, I had to show my ID and, you know, and, and let them know who I was and everything. And, and that was the process. Uh, okay. Now, because there is a rumor out there that, Somebody or a couple people at some point other than you returned any some of Stephen's books as well. In fact, the books that might have been in his truck the day he disappeared. Do you know anything about that or do you think that's just a rumor? Um, I, I don't I really couldn't say. Um, I. I believed it, but then I wonder why they didn't bring up the point fact that, you know, I had returned some books or mm. the fact that why didn't they get their, those people's names? They got my name, so it looks like the school would have those the people's names that returned, supposed to return the books also, mm. and uh, been able to give that to the um, OSBR or a private investigator that we had at the time. And, but the school did not have those names? To your knowledge? No. Okay. To my knowledge. So, you know, what I'm going to say here is it possible that a rumor just got out there. Well, the books were returned after he disappeared. Obviously, somebody must have found his truck and, you know, somebody returned those books. And maybe it's somebody with, you know, that's involved in the case, maybe just trying to get a couple bucks back or however that works. But there is the possibility that it was just you were the one who returned the books later. Because you were over at Stephen's place, saw them, and wanted to return them like a good citizen should. Okay. So we have the book situation maybe sorted out a little bit. Not sure what to make of that. But uh, what we can be assured of is that you did return some of Stephen's books at the time. Do you happen to remember how many books? Um, three, four, okay. five. It was, they were an arm load, an okay. arm, armful. Do you, in retrospect, do you think those were all of the books that he needed for school, or do you think that there might have, could have possibly been some that were still in his truck when he disappeared? What yes. do you think? I think there probably was. Um, uh, I don't think Stephen had returned any books up to this point, and he'd been going there for, uh, he had one year of school left, so he'd been going there three years, I guess, and um, 
I, I went out because when I returned the books, I just kind of uh, felt like that um, they were maybe not um, in use still. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe one of them wasn't. So, you know, it's right. been a while. And yes, he uh, possibly that day, you know, he just left the ones he took with him, which he might not have took any with him. But Stephen had stuff scattered everywhere. He was <laughs> he was kind of like me. So Okay. Okay, so might have had some books in the car, might have had some books in the apartment. Yes. Okay. Let's move on to the cell phone information. We already know about this phone call that uh, Bree made to him. Uh, you happen to believe that it got caught, cut off maybe mid-conversation because so of cell phone reception. Uh, did the police ever get his cell phone records? Did they ever ping his phone? Have you ever seen anything regarding any of that in the last 14 years? Um, yes, they had pinged his phone. Now, uh, this kind of brings me back to the point where uh, was it possibly going to Keys, but they, yes, they had pinged his phone. They were close to mm. Keys. So it was close to Keys, and, and do you believe that is the last place uh, that it pinged, or did it go anywhere else? Um, just in that area, it seemed like they had gotten it off of two different cell towers, uh, where it might, I guess, um, where that maybe left a contact after Tahlequah and then, you know, became a, got service okay. again. They're around keys. Okay. So let's, and so we know that, how far did you live? Uh, okay. So you said if it was Stephen driving, you lived about 40 minutes away from him. How far is keys away from where he lived? Once again, in minutes. Um, uh, about seven or eight minutes. Oh, not far. Not far. Far. Okay. And wh- how about this town of Cookson? Where is it compared to, to Tahlequah and where you live and where Keys is? Where is it? Um, Cookson is probably 30 minutes east of Tahlequah. All right. And Keys is south, so it's like in, an, in a south, different direction. Southeast. southeast. Okay, southeast. Okay. So you wouldn't have to go through Keys to get to Cookson, or, or what? Uh, From Tahlequah, would you have to go? You know, I'll post a map up on uh, on Facebook just so everybody understands. Would you have to go through Keys to get to Cookson? Uh, there's two ways you can go, uh, say straight from Stevens apartment up to Cookson, or you can go turn south toward Keys and go through Keys to Cookson. Okay. Um, do you know of anybody who? Um, Stephen might have talked to or text that morning before um, he disappeared, to your knowledge. Uh, no. No. So as far as you know, the only call that happened on his phone that day was from Bree. Yes. Okay. So he didn't call anybody, text anybody, say, hey, I'm going to be driving this somebody somewhere, nothing like that. Nothing that I know of. Okay. We've been talking about Spencer. He is Rita, who is, let me just go through this again so everybody's listening. He is Stephen's ex-wife's uncle. So she, yeah. he is Alicia's mother's brother, Spencer. Um, just in general, you live in the area. Of course, he was in your family by marriage at one point. What kind of reputation does Spencer have? Spencer, uh, being a truck driver, um, it was pretty well known that he did drugs. <laughs> yeah. All right. Was was he into meth, crystal meth? Yes. 
because that was what he was in the business of. And it's uh, it's a drug that pops up a lot in, in a lot of disappearances that I cover. Okay. Um, and we mentioned James before. James and Spencer are related, or are they friends? Who are they? How are they? Uh, how do they know each other? Um, they're distant cousins, I believe. They're related, yes. Okay. And at some point after, once again, I understand that you were unconscious in the hospital because of your stroke for at least a couple weeks, But and I'm guessing that you weren't the one that discovered this. Did somebody figure out, possibly, that Spencer and James were in Tahlequah on the day that Stephen disappeared? Yes. Yes, that was discovered by, I believe, uh, either the OSBI or Dick Fryer or private investigator. Okay. And is there something in here regarding James and a broken down vehicle. What do you, this is something that has come up regarding this case for a while now regarding there was somebody with a broken down vehicle. Was this, this person who was walking around in this dollar store? Um, that yes, that, that there was a black truck there um, outside the dollar store that was parked there mm-hmm. all day. And um, that it, that black truck belonged to Spencer. Is that Whether right? It broke down or not? I'm not sure, oh, but okay. So, Steve Spencer has this black. I think it was a Ford Ranger truck. He yep. owned a truck, and you're telling me that on the day that S- Stephen disappeared in that same parking lot, that dollar store where this guy with the hat and everything on, where we got the sketch from, there was also a black Ranger truck in that parking lot that same day. Yes. I see. Um, in your opinion, would Stephen get, especially given everything that went on between uh, him and his ex-wife over the custody, would Stephen, do you think, have ever given Spencer a drive anywhere? No. 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 Okay. But we mentioned James before. Do, do you think that Stephen knew that James, who you knew, you said he'd been in, even in your house at one time, do you think he would have given James James a ride somewhere? If only way he would have done that is if James had brought up the fact that he knew me. Uh, no, Stephen would not have known James from anybody. You know. Okay. He so he was known. just all right. So he just knew maybe. Of course, like my parents, they have friends that I don't know. So it was kind of that similar situation. Yes. Okay. So he could have. We're just. Once again, going to try to paint a little more complete a picture if something like this did go on that James could have, maybe if something, some scheme was afoot, could have been waiting there um, and saw that Stephen was coming back from school. And I think probably a lot of people would have known when Stephen was going to school. Saw Stephen pulled in, pull into the apartment complex, could have gone over and said, hey, Aren't you Stephen Adams? You know, I'm friends with your mother, Mother Deanie. We know each other. And Stephen might have even known that maybe you mentioned his name a couple times. Said, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I need a ride somewhere. Is that possible? Would Stephen have have gone along with something like that? Yes, he would have. Okay. Very interesting. Okay. Um, So there, so... 
once again, I think that, you know, my impression is that we are kind of straightening some of these things out because I have to tell you, once again, knowing about this case for a long time, I always thought that this, the sketch of this guy, that this guy had been in Keys or somewhere else, where you're telling me this sketch actually comes from this guy being cited in Tahlequah. Yes. Okay. See, I've been confused about that. Okay. That's interesting. And um, so let's move on to this. Were some of Carl's, your ex-husband's, cattle killed at some point during all of this? And this is something that he told me uh, had never happened before, hasn't happened since. Do you know anything about that? Yes. Um, in 2006, I believe we um, we got a grand jury. And um, so, you know, everybody knew that it was fixing to happen. And, and so, yes. Uh, strange things started to happen. Uh, Carl had a cast, a cow, uh, shot in the head, put up in a loading chute, and and a trap there, and then shot in the head. Um, and I'm thinking he might have had another cow shot at the time. Mm-hmm. But yes, things happened. Okay, I I do know that you two are divorced now. Yeah, I've been for several years, years, and even years before. Stephen disappeared. Uh, have you ever had anything done to any of your possessions, your house, your car, uh, anything that you thought was a little strange and, and it happened around the time that Stephen disappeared or afterwards where people were trying to figure out what happened to him? Anything? No. 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 Okay. All right. Well, not sure what to make of that. Maybe it, have been, maybe it was a horrible, horrible um prank that obviously is a felony you know but uh, we just don't know okay but it did happen yes okay and i do know that carl believes that it could be connected to steven's disappearance yes um the fbi uh you talked about osbi you talked about the local police uh at any point has the fbi been involved uh with this case with fbi yeah no no, they haven't. No. no. All right. And you had mentioned a private investigator. Uh, when did you hire this person? Uh, did this person do a decent job? Did he, he or she turn up anything? What was your experience like? Uh, Carl hired um, a Dick Fry. Uh, probably within the month, I guess. Maybe, maybe a month or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe a month or later. Okay. And, um, and he got with Vicky Lines, which was um, uh, head of OSBI there in around our area, and they did a lot of investigating. Um, hmm A lot okay. of this information has been lost. It was um, there was you know Dick Fry was reporting to Carl about things at the time. Carl was paying him lots of money, and um, and then whenever they um, Dropped out the picture. You know, they quit investigating. Um, there was been, you know, different people that have came and um, maybe been a you know lost case workers and, and things that have have checked all this out and they can't find any information that OSBI or Dick Fry had gotten at the time. I thought that. Was well, I'm just case. wondering, uh, being that I guess it was Carl who was paying for. Uh, Mr. Fry, that wouldn't 
Mr. Fry have been delivering that information right back to Carl, and then I guess eventually to you. That's not what happened. Yeah, he did. Yes, he was. He was doing okay. That. Well, then, um, how could that? If, if you're telling me that, I just have to ask: How could the information got lost? Do you think that? Um, um, uh, maybe not. Uh, um, I did not so much Dick Fry's information, but the OSBI okay. information. Okay. All right. And was it, what did, was it uh, Mr. Fry that uh, figured out this um, Dollar General sketch? Was that he the one that did that? Or was that the OSBI or the police that went in there and asked, how did that even happen? Yeah, I, you, do you remember? I believe the OSBI had uh, talked to um, that someone around there, uh, some they, uh, talked to them, and a woman in their, yes, employee had given them the uh, description, and they okay. made the sketch. All right, and that sketch has been out there for several years now. And um, frankly, do you think that that sketch could pass for that guy that you knew as James? Yes. yes good? good. Okay. And the local police, um, when, was the la when was the last time that you have ever talked to them or they called you? Or do you know if they keep in touch, touch with Carl? Or maybe your son. Uh, I've probably been the last one to talk to him. Um, there, the DA there in Tahlequah. Um, I I speak to him. My cousin is his secretary, and I talk to her quite a bit. She and if I have anything, I want to uh, you know get checked out. They'll check it out, and, it, and mm -hmm. I've probably talked to him within the last two years. Mm -hmm. Okay. About it. Okay, but there haven't been any new leads in Stevens' case, at least to your knowledge. But we know these things can change at any time. And just as an example, listeners know just within the last week, a case that I covered this past summer, Zoe Campos from Lubbock, Texas, they now have a person in custody uh, for her murder, and they believe that they found her body in the in the backyard of a house where this guy used to live. You know, and that was a case. It's only about five years old, but it was quiet for a while, and then all of a sudden something happened. So in Stevens, it's kind of the same thing, but it's been quiet for a while, hasn't it? Yes, it has. Okay. And then Cheyenne, uh, of course, she was just a little girl when this all happened. How old is she now? Oh, she turned eighteen, um, and I, I. I I'm not sure, September or December of last year. So mm -hmm. she would uh, either be turning 19 in December or she would be 19 in right. September. Uh, I don't know why this is so unclear to me, the date. Mm -hmm. uh, I have uh, five, six, five granddaughters and one grandson. <laughs> and, uh -huh. You know, how we forget. Yeah. You know. But it also doesn't help that you haven't seen her in a long time, have you? Exactly. Exactly. All right, so um, if she's 18 or 19, I'm guessing maybe she uh, either she's in her senior year or she graduated this past year. So if she had any things that were going on in high school or anything, you weren't invited to any of them, you, you know, if she was like in the chorus or drama club or something, you never got to see any of that. And this is Steven's daughter. Right. Right. Oh, okay. Is that um, – now we know that she's an adult – um, do you think that she knows who her father is? That her father is Stephen Adams? Oh, gosh, that is a, that is 
question of the in a, mm-hmm. a big question in my life. I I'm I'm pretty sure she was um, never told about her dad. Never you know, knew her real dad. Mm-hmm. Um, her mother got married again when she was about three, and that's uh, he's probably all she knows. Knows the okay. dad or anything. Okay. I don't. I I posted her picture and Steven's picture on social media, and I, but I, and I've tried to friend her and I've tried to message her, but mm-hmm. I'm I'm blocked. It's like it's like you know I, she don't even know you know who I am. Right. Right. Well, you know, um, maybe the good thing is that she's an adult now. Now legally, she mm-hmm. can't drink yet. But she can vote. Right. You know, if she wanted to go serve in the military, she could do that. She's her own person now. And, mm-hmm. you know, just have to hope that uh, she's hopefully out from under the control of, you know, her, her mother and anybody else. And uh, that I'm not saying that to say that they had anything to do with this. Maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. But, you know, she's going to be her own person now. And, you know, maybe she'll reach out to you. And th- and those things do happen. So uh, yes. I'm hopeful. I'm, ho- I'm certainly Thank hopeful. Um, these are questions I just have to ask you. Is there any other theory, any other reason that you think that Stephen could have gone missing? Was he, you know, obviously he had been accused of sexual molestation. Of course, he'd been acqu- acquitted. But that can take a heavy toll on somebody, even if they're acquitted, even if they are completely innocent, would never even think about doing anything like that. Is it possible that maybe the pressure got to him? Is it possible maybe, you know, something else, somebody else, you know, jumped him? Have you entertained all sorts of ideas over the years? Do you ever thought that maybe Stephen just ran off, drove off? Uh, no, that I've never, never entertained that thought. Um, you know, and as far as anybody else having anything against him, uh, not at all. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, could maybe a... Um, rebel out there you know took his own action i don't know but it, i think in that case there would have been you know mm-hmm. we'd have, they wouldn't have went to the extent of having of him disappearing and then his truck disappearing mm-hmm. and okay. then nothing you know no no body no truck you know nothing been right. found. I right. mean, you know, I, I do want to ask you the question. Of course, this is not on the interview outline, but it's something that just occurred to me. You told me that Stephen was living in an apartment with a roommate at the time. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Yes. It, you don't have to say that. I'm going to guess it's a guy. You don't have to use his full name, but who is this person? It was his cousin, Adam. Okay. His cousin, Adam. His sister's son. Oh, your yes. sister's son. And yes. I'm not trying to, I, I'm just trying to learn a little bit more about that day. Was he, would he have not have been home when Stephen got home from school? Do you remember what his story was for um, that day? I'm not accusing him of anything. I'm just trying to understand uh, their living situation. I'm pretty sure Adam was going to school too. And he had a job also, but uh, him been home. No, he wasn't mm-hmm. home. And um, I don't think that was, Found unusual, you know. I don't think okay. that was unusual at all. And, and maybe you've had a. I'm going to guess, being that he's your sister's son, maybe have it have had a chance to talk to him over the years. Did it even look like Stephen even came back into the apartment that day? Do you know? 
if you don't, I, if you don't know, if you don't know, I, they, if that's never I come don't up. Know. I mean, I, I talked, I've talked to Adam a hundred thousand times. Yeah. I don't know that I, you know, remember asking him that question. Okay. Well, maybe next time you talk to him, you can ask him. That would be interesting to know that, you know, if Steven, um, came out of school, you know, and if he did drive back to his apartment, if somebody got to him before he got to the apartment or maybe he was in his apartment, person went up, I think that might be something interesting to know. Just kind of narrow the timeline uh, at least even a little bit more. Maybe, you know, Stephen would have had something in his truck that was brought inside, just something that would have tipped Adam off that that um, Stephen had actually come back into the apartment after he went to school that morning. That would be interesting to well, me. Um- uh, well, I'm sure that that question's been asked of Adam. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm probably describe it. But, uh, um, and all, you know, i am always been under the impression that, yes, he did. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm. Mm-hmm. It just might be interesting to know that you never, I, you know, this happens all the time, Deanie, that when I'm having conversations with guests, I'll ask them something and they'll be like, well, I never thought of that before. And, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal, but you never know when some new question is going to take you off on some new, you know, tangent that might be helpful. You just never oh, know. Oh, yes. Exactly. You just never know. Um, so it's been almost, it's going to be coming up on, not to be morbid, it's coming up on eight or on 14 years here in, yep. in another month or so. Um, I know that your one son is with you. I know he's in the background for this phone call. How have your, how have Stephen's brothers handled this over the last 14 years? Chris was in the service at the time and it, it took him a little while to uh, get a leave and, and to be able to come home. And it's been very disturbing for him that this happened and, and him being, a, especially being away and and couldn't immediately be here, you know. Mm-hmm. It's um, it took a toll on him. So yeah. it's very, you know, very heavy on his heart. Bradley, yeah. uh, of course, too. And like I said, my boys were our best friends. They, <laughs> yeah. They, yeah, they were close. They were very close. Loved each other so much. And yes, it, it is taking a toll on. Yeah. As it has all of us. And then there's you. I mean, when this happened, I mean, the next morning, like you said, you had this stroke. You couldn't even take part in doing any searches or calling anybody in it, mm. you know, and I'm sure at the time, um, you know, you felt like you couldn't help out as much as you could, as you could, as you wanted to. Yeah. Um, and then of course, then you had to come home. Maybe there was some rehabilitation and everything, but, um, you know, what has this been like for you? Oh. I, there's still times that I miss him so much that I I just, I just, it's just, I can't hardly handle it. It's unbelievable. I, you know, when, like my son, I was talking the other day, when, when sometimes we're talking about it, it's, it's almost like we're telling the story that happened to somebody else. You know, that this just really didn't happen to us. Really didn't happen to Stephen, you know. We really didn't leave, love someone. Leave some, leave someone that we love so much. Yeah. And was so dear to our heart. And, and I don't know. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know that uh, what most of my guests end up telling me, and I, I would never put myself in their shoes. I don't know how you feel. I don't know how you know um, any of my guests feel who have lost somebody. But they tell me that the not knowing is the worst part of it. That, you know, uh, what do you think? What's your opinion on that topic? I don't know. Uh, I, I, I mean, I mean, I, I, you know, obviously by this time, we know that Stephen was, was murdered. Yeah. Um, we know that. We know we lost him. We know he's never coming back. I, and thankfully, I, 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 I just want to say I know in my heart that, that he was a Christian, but, and then not knowing, yeah, it not, not knowing, or the fact that, knowing that, um, you know, nobody be ever be hasn't been held accountable, yeah. and, and that right. Cheyenne could still be believing that, um, as she said. When she was the one day at my house when she was visiting, that uh, her dad just left her and didn't love her and just left her and went and got another family. That part hurt so bad. And that would have been you. That would have been when she's a little girl, though, right? I, I think you. Yeah. You did get some visitation uh, with her after Stephen disappeared, but then all that stuff stopped because of Alicia's family. Yes, we had some visitations. Bradley would always, when he would um, have his visitation, would come to my house. We made a lot of memories, but um, yeah. the day that she told, asked my her cousin, uh, Brady's daughter, where you know how come you have a dad and I don't, or my cousin asked her how come I have a dad and you don't, and Cheyenne said because my dad didn't love me and, and left me for another family, um, yeah, <laughs> because I couldn't keep quiet. I, I yeah, I had to tell her that that's not the way it went. But she was right. young, right? And that would only have been something that she could be in her head because some adult told her that. Uh, some adult told her that, yes. Yeah. Her mother had well, been, told her that. Yeah, of course. Okay. Uh, do you know if there's a, a website or a, a Facebook page set up for Stephen um, Deeney? Anything like that? I, I know there's several. I, like I said, I'm not from Oklahoma. Yeah. I've never lived in Oklahoma, but I've known about your son's disappearance for about 10 years and it's it's been a pleasure to get to know Carl and a pleasure to get to know you after all this time um but is there you know so is there a facebook page or something that people can go to um my daughter-in-law Tanya uh, Chris's wife Tanya Adams she had set one up um, I'm pretty sure it's still active um it's okay been a you know year maybe year two since I've you know just could You'll know for sure, tell you for sure that I've, okay. I've been on there. But uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, I will, I will surely make sure. Well, by the time people listen to this interview, they'll know that uh, I've linked to it and everything else. But people that are listening now, uh, you know, can go find it and make sure they like it and share it. And so they know what's, what's going on. Um, but it seems to me that the media coverage of your son's disappearance has been at least decent being that I knew about it well before I ever started on found tells me that there's been obviously a lot of media coverage of his case since yeah. 2004, which, you know, is good. A lot of cases don't get any coverage 
you know, a lot of cases yeah. that I cover on Unfound, I haven't even heard of them until maybe a month, you know, before the episode comes out, you know, so, um, you know, those things happen too. But now even more people are going to know about your son and what could have possibly happened to him. Yeah. Um, any final words before we conclude this interview, Dini? Um, I appreciate you taking interest uh, in this. Um, you would like Stephen. He was a very likable person. And um, I think if you had met Stephen, um, then you would have been especially eager to get this out there. I appreciate it. Because yeah. um, he, he was he's worth it. He was worth it. And um, I, I just thank you. And I, I hope that um, anybody listening to this, that if you do know something, don't be afraid. Speak up. Um, you know, there's there's protection for people that are afraid to say things. You know, that there's um, ways of um, of you know not putting you in danger. Please, you know, go to Stephen's website or call and comment or, or uh, Ed's website. Okay. Um, just um, be blessed. And, Keep us in your prayers. It's what has got us through this 14 years, and it's what will get us through to the end of time. Thank you. Okay, Dini. And I appreciate you being on this episode of Unfound. Thank you. You're welcome. And that was my interview with Dini Adams, mother of Stephen Adams. I thank her for joining me and all of you on this episode. And I also need to thank Carl Adams, Stephen's father, who I also spoke to. This case was a fascinating one for me to cover personally because I've known about Stephen's disappearance for several years. I'd say going back to at least 2008. And I'm not sure why that is because I've never lived in Oklahoma. And my impression is that it's not a nationally known case like Mar Murray's or Jennifer Kessie's. Still, I've known about the sketch of the mysterious man and the child custody issues and the alleged sighting of Stephen at that store, etc., for a long time now. So it was interesting to finally dig in and find out more about these facts and everything else regarding Stephen's disappearance. That the ex-wife's family could be involved in Stephen's disappearance is hard to ignore. They had motive, at least in their mind. They had opportunity, they knew where Stephen would be, and they seemed like the type of people who would do something like this. I also believe Stephen didn't exactly appreciate how much his ex-wife's family hated him. I'm reminded of the murder of Dan Markell in Tallahassee, Florida in 2014, as an example. And I also think about the disappearance of Jeff Nichols, a case we covered on Unfound in early 2017. And truthfully, I don't have a viable alternative theory that satisfies the facts in this case. For example... There is no proof that some ex-boyfriend of Stephen's new girlfriend had a grudge against him. Yes, Stephen's girlfriend did eventually move on, but it was much later and with a guy she didn't even know at the time of Stephen's disappearance. Also, for example, was Stephen's passenger just some random guy, and Stephen decided to pick up the wrong person in distress? Possible? Sure. But so improbable that I'm not sure how to even calculate that. Thus, other scenarios, besides the ex-wife's family being involved, somehow don't seem to fit with what we the public know. 
So I'm not sure how much mystery is involved in this case. Instead, this is a situation that certainly goes back to the basics of what we've learned about disappearances over the last two years. Number one, relationships. Without the custody issues, Stephen is most likely still with us. Number two, luring. Whoever was in the truck with Stephen convinced him to go on a short trip. Little did Stephen know it was only one way. With that, I'll leave the rest of the theorizing up to you. And please become a Patreon member to read my deeper insights and theories on Stephen's case. And that's the program. If you found it informative, please go to the app that you use to listen to Unfound and give this podcast a nice review. I thank you for listening. I'm Ed Denzel, and you've been listening to Unfound.